Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with a very special guest who I want to introduce to all, all of you. His name is Sathya Sam. He's a speaker and an author, and he's got a brand new book that just came out last week, which is super exciting. And he's a coach that helps other men break free from this, their struggle with pornography addiction. And I'm very, very excited to have him on here to share some tools and strategies to help. And so I'd like to welcome here, Sathya. Thank you so much for being with me here today. Thanks for having me, man. Great to be here. Yeah, of course. So I know I've heard you on different podcasts and I know you have your book that just came out. I'd love it if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit about your story and how you got into helping other people overcome this and, and your history with you know the progress that you, you've made with this. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, I think as you and I know, Sam, uh, few people get into this kind of space just out of uh, an innate desire or, uh, you know, some kind of childhood dream. Uh, for me, I had my own struggle. So I got exposed to pornography in the computer lab of my Christian school when I was 11 years old. It had happened at a young age. And bro, I mean, this was before uh, broadband internet, smartphones, right. you know, I think it was 2001. Yes. And um, and so I got exposed young. It It really just began this curiosity when I started to enter puberty in my teenage years, I was going back to porn on some, some kind of regular basis. And by the time I, I was in university, I was hooked on it. Um, I, it depends on which circles you move in. Some, some would agree and some would disagree with the word addicted, but uh, we could at least say I, I was hooked on it. And I would plan my days around it. So, you know, I studied really hard. Um, I was on the more like academic research side during my undergrad. So I had like five figures in research grants. So I'm working in research labs. I'm volunteering. I'm kind of just bolstering my academic resume here. And all of my days are planned around when I can watch porn because I needed it for the relief to just cope with the stresses. And I needed it as my reward because, you know, when you pursue an education, you're not getting rewarded right away. And that was kind of my way of just keeping myself, uh, I don't know, interested, motivated, whatever it might be. So I was, I was like, I knew it was a problem. I would say I even had a conviction about it, but I truthfully just thought, oh, you know, future Sathya can deal with that problem. Not a really big deal right now. And then I, I started to kind of enter the vocational world. Uh, I started to take my faith a lot more seriously and I realized like I need to get rid of this. And that was when I kind of, I guess, was confronted with the gravity of my situation because I, I just thought I could quit cold turkey and it turns out I couldn't. You know, I went a couple days, a couple weeks maybe, but I was always back just caught in this binge purge cycle and really had no explanation for how to break out of it. And I did a lot of the typical solutions of internet filters, accountability partners, kind of upping spiritual disciplines and trying to willpower my way through and it got me nowhere. Like it kind of gave me the feel good like, yeah, I'm going to conquer this thing. But, uh, you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks later, I was relapsing and just back where I started. So that really sent me on this journey of what is, what is it that actually allows somebody to get rid of something so destructive long term? And I think that's where I discovered a lot of the tools I share about uh, in our program, uh, in the book that we just released and everything else, which is that you have to really address the underlying causes that are going on within the human heart. And that was my own journey. It was a couple of years of doing that. And February 2016 was when I had my last relapse. So I waited a couple of years just to kind of enjoy my victory and make sure that I, I really was in a different place. And eventually I felt confident to start helping other guys. That was December 2018. And the rest is history. We've helped hundreds of men break free of porn since. That's huge, man, because again, for you to have struggled with this and know the effect that it has in your life and spirituality, self-esteem, like it has such a detrimental effect and people just get stuck and they don't know what to do. And so for you to have gone through the process, have a process now to help other people, 
I think it's like there's such a big need for that. Did you ever feel like along the way, I think a lot of people that I speak with, they want to give up and like consistently they'll do well and then they fail and then they do well, then they fail, like I said, like a binge purge. And then they're like, I can't do this anymore. And so I wondered if you ever hit any of those moments for yourself and what was helpful for you to push through that? Yeah, I had one particular moment that always comes to mind. I was uh, I was probably 23 or 24 years old and was really uh, in this season of, of discovering my relationship with God, really growing in that area. And so I was going to a young adults group that evening and I think I was waiting for somebody to come pick me up. And right before, like, my mind just went there. I had the urge. I went and watched porn and kind of finished off. And I felt so guilty. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm about to go spend time with like other godly people, you know, like uh, in a Christian environment. And like, here I am struggling. And um, this person came up to me afterwards, a, a friend of mine. And he said, you know, when we were when we were in kind of the, the worship time, I I just felt like, I, I don't know, I just kind of had this sense that, that God wanted me to remind you that he sees you as pure. Just, just just like a very out of the moment, like out of the blue kind of thing. And um, and I remember being like, what? Like there was such a disconnect because it was like, no, 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 you must have misheard. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. Uh, and if you knew, I think you would have heard differently. Uh, but it sort of began, I think for me, um, just realizing how how much I had let my behavior def- define how I saw myself and what I could accomplish. And when I would struggle, when I would hit those breaking points of like, it's not worth it anymore, I would often realize that it was because I had lost confidence in myself or I lost faith in myself. I had, I had felt like there was something fundamentally wrong with me that I couldn't get past. So I hit tons of those moments and I think I had to learn to just love myself through them to, to get to the other side and keep the momentum going. Which is great because I think that's such a hard thing to do because when most people do make a mistake, they do make it about them. It's like there's something mm-hmm. wrong with me and why am I, un- you know, I'm unworthy or I'm not enough or I'm a failure. It becomes like an identity statement, which yeah. I think is like it, it's such a big barrier to people making progress because always in the back of their mind, like I might be doing well today, but I'm still a bad person. I don't yes. know if that was like your experience yeah. with that too. Yeah. I mean, it's my major beef with like a 12-step program where step one is to confess or call yourself an addict, right? It's like, I am an addict to whatever. I'm an alcoholic or whatever. Um, totally, I mean, totally get why that would be a starting point. But you can't actually wear that identity statement long term because if you believe you're an addict, then why would you ever break out of your addiction? Because, right. you know, like if you're an addict, then you should stay addicted. That just comes with the identity. It's like we tell guys, you know, if you, if you think that you're a pervert because you watch porn, well, as long as you believe you're a pervert, you're going to continue to do perverted things. Like you're shooting yourself mm-hmm. in the foot there. Mm-hmm. So yes, the identity statements is huge. We actually say that like recovery hinges on three pillars primarily. And the third pillar for us is identity because we've just seen that if guys don't get that healed and established the correct way, then you can make all kinds of progress and discoveries along the way. But you're, you're, only, going to be, you're only going to be able to go really as far as your identity. So yes, totally agree. I remember hearing somebody say that it's like the strongest force in our personality is to act congruently with how we see ourselves, And that's mm. kind of touching on this identity idea. Like if I see myself as like, I'm a failure subconsciously, I'm going to find a way to just like torpedo things and make big, make mistakes. And, but if I see myself as like, I'm okay to be imperfect or I'm enough as I am, and I don't need to prove anything or I already have worth, it allows you to make progress and grow. 
and make mistakes along the way, but learn from them instead of them feeling like they kind of define you and they, they beat you up. Yeah. I, I like what you're touching on. You said there's three pillars. I'd be curious to know a little bit more about like, how do you see this process then? You have, you have three separate pillars that you find be, to be most helpful for guys who are struggling? Yeah, our, our system is, is predicated on three pillars and each of them come with a mantra. So the first pillar is self-awareness. And the mantra there is, if you are not aware, it cannot be repaired. So there's often things going on underneath the surface that we don't even realize, you know, nobody's pointed them out to us. We were never taught how to maybe access those parts of ourselves. And so building that self-awareness goes a long way. I think, especially with guys, you know, guys are not really given this, the resources or the tools or even the modeling that's necessary to access, you know, the inner parts of, of our lives. So we start there. And once you build self-awareness, then we start to guide people through a healing process and healing is the second pillar. And the basic mantra of healing is that he who is the most vulnerable heals the quickest. And so we try to create an environment that is as safe as possible, so much so that vulnerability is the most natural response, because we know that when guys can start to be really transparent, then they can start to heal. Uh, the way we kind of say is like, if you only show people a certain fraction of who you are, then the only fraction that's revealed is what can actually get impacted. That's the only part that can actually be healed. And it takes a lot for a guy to really feel safe and to feel comfortable to open up. But when he does, of course, that is that is the glorious part of recovery and really transforming into that person who is healthy and who is free. And then the third pillar, like I mentioned, is identity. And our mantra there is I would rather be 100% my true self and rejected than 80% my true self and accepted. And what we're really trying to instill in guys is bold authenticity, just to be their true selves without any apology. And it's it's an incredible, um, I don't know, it, it's a kind of a, almost out of reach when you're first struggling because you feel like, how could I ever really allow people to see who I am? But when they built that self-awareness, they've gone through a healing process and they're starting to be transformed, then actually it's almost the most natural response is you start to see yourself differently. And of course, as that takes place, as we know, then the behaviors start to follow suit. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, those are such key components to this, because like you said in the beginning, if you don't know what's going on and you can't address it, then like it, by not knowing you can't address it, it's just, yes. it lays underneath the surface. It's still active, like it's still operating behind the scenes, but if you don't know how to change it and address it, then it's like you get stuck and then the healing process. And again, like I said, the identity is such a key piece to that. So you feel like changing the identity I know there's a handful of different ways to do that and everybody has a different approach, but for you guys, is it more like through that community aspect of your letting yourself be vulnerable and be open and identity changes through interactions with others? Or do you, what, I wanna make sure I'm following on that. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think we see, we see the biggest transformation happen in two arenas. One is the communal element. So we do a lot of group coaching, uh, live trainings, tons of that where people get a chance to build community. We actually just did like a community night with our guys. So they just all came in and we asked like different questions. Some of them are fun questions. Some of them are maybe a little bit more personal and in depth, uh, but just giving them a chance to really, I think, be seen, known and understood. Uh, the other element though is really getting uh, getting the right information into people's hands and empowering them to take action on it. You and I both know, Sam, like information is a dime a dozen. Like it, it's not hard to find information these days, but what's really valuable is actually being moved into action because that's where true transformation takes place. And a lot of guys are actually just one act away from experiencing transformation. They have all the information, but they just need somebody to give them a little kick in the butt. You know, somebody to just say, hey, go, go and do it now. Like I know it's yeah. scary, 
but go go do that thing you need to do. Go write that letter. Uh, go journal about that thing. Go um, you know pick up that hobby. Like it, it, there's a bunch of different things, but it's just having that environment that actually is conducive to taking action, trying things that might be a bit uncomfortable, but you know are good for you. And being able to do it in the safety of a community that knows you, that allows you to do it, but also to be able to come back to them and say, hey, I did it. And here's what happened. You know, sometimes it's a disaster, but we're like, hey, you took action. (laughs) And that's awesome, man. And next time you take action, you're going to be better off for it. And other times they take it and like their lives are totally changed just from taking the action alone. So those are the two arenas where I think people really benefit the most. Yeah, great. That makes perfect sense. And something you touched on earlier is, I know in the book you cover how important it is you touch on like the struggles of the heart and that's a big part of what's causing pain and problems for people do you feel like a part of that is is shame and these early wounds that people go through yeah 100 percent. i call it the triple threat which um is shame guilt and regret so shame is being that fundamental belief that something's wrong with you it's just that something's wrong with me and if people see it they're going to abandon me there's going to be disconnection and i don't think there's really any value at all for shame. I think the, the more you and I can de-shame, the better off we are, period. Guilt is more uh, about what you've done as opposed to who you are, right? Shame is who you are, guilt is what you've done. Mm-hmm. I think guilt generally is not that helpful either. But I will say that I think guilt in the right environment, if it's done, I guess it's not quite guilt, I wouldn't use the word, but um, guilt with compassion can be really impactful. Let's just put it that way. And I think if you, if you have, a, like, it would be terrible if you watched porn and you felt no guilt about it afterwards, right? Like the fact that there's some guilt there kind of shows like, okay, you have a moral compass. And I think if it's handled with compassion, it can actually propel you to make really great changes in your life. But the thing that we emphasize a lot in our program, just because not tons of people talk about it, is regret. And I think a lot of, like I work with professionals a lot. So uh, medical doctors and athletes and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of them, because they're high performers and high achievers, they will look back and say, man, if I wouldn't have gotten caught up in porn or whatever the sexual misbehavior is, imagine, you know, how much more I would have accomplished, how much more I would have done, how much more I would have made or how many more lives I would have impacted, whatever. And uh, what we teach people is just how to learn to love themselves through their decisions of the past, present, and of course, the future. We, We define regret as looking at your past without compassion. That's what regret is. And I think we've all fallen into regret at some point in our lives and giving people an opportunity to to love themselves through their decisions, to look at their past through a lens of compassion is really powerful for the healing journey. So, because that's what I was going to ask, because I think just like the tactical application of that. So that's what you're talking about is being able to look at the past through a different lens, give yourself a sense of compassion or, and it's important to recognize that compassion and permission aren't the same thing. It's not like, mm. oh, it's not that big of a deal or oh, I was young and, you know, it doesn't matter. But to be able to be compassionate or recognize that we make mistakes and that we can learn from them. So you're saying like that's the tactic of how to apply that, how to ease the shame just by trying to see yourself differently. 100%. And the, the healing process for us generally lands in a, a, one of two places primarily. One is either identifying some really core lies that were driving a lot of the behavior or lies that kind of spawned from a negative experience of past trauma or whatever it might be. And the other element is forgiveness. 
and we really emphasize forgiveness and forgiveness happens in three different realms it could be forgiving others that's what we most commonly know but sometimes people have to forgive god which i know sounds a bit controversial it's not because god did wrong mm -hmm. it's because we've held an offense to something god did sure. or did not do yep. uh, for a lot of guys it's like god you can set a man free in a moment like why right. am i still struggling with this 25 <laughs> years later you know yes uh, totally viable or understandable uh, response so it's either forgiving god or in this case i think with the most relevance to what we're discussing forgiving yourself huge part of this process and uh we, we had a guy who just joined our program recently he is not struggling with porn a ton but he cannot forgive himself for all the damages caused to his marriage and his family and everything else so we said yeah we, like all of our process centers around forgiveness learning to love yourself again and all that kind of stuff so um so yeah that's where it all lands do you feel like when you were doing that process for yourself, was it difficult? Because I know, like you're saying, a lot of times people have a hard time forgiving themselves because of the shame as well. It's like, I, I, I'm this, like, because I destroyed my relationship, because I betrayed God, because I did all these things, I'm such a bad person. Therefore, I, like, I can't forgive myself. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you, if you ran into that personally or when you're working with people, is there anything that you might say to people who are in that spot of having a very difficult time or what kinds of things are you sharing with this new person that joined your group? I know it's a process, but anything that, that might be helpful for them? Yeah, 100%. So we actually have a, a little four-step process to walk people through forgiveness, whether it's for themselves or for others. And it's basically, it's identify, specify, release, and restore. And it's really interesting. Like, if you think about when you grow up, I don't know if you have, do you have siblings, Sam? Yeah, I have, I have a couple, yep. Okay, yeah, so me too. So, you know, when my, when my brother and I used to get in squabbles or whatever, of course, like, the parent comes in, they kind of, like, pull you apart, hear the stories, and then eventually at some point they say, okay, forgive your brother, you know, or, like, apologize to your brother, and, yet, okay, I'm sorry, okay, I forgive you, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we, we tend to gloss over the first two parts of our process, identify and specify, and just go straight to releasing the person. But um, that first step is actually the most critical. You have to identify where the offense took place. So for somebody who's having a hard time forgiving themselves, um, what you actually want to figure out is like, why? When did it start? What are the, the thoughts and the feelings that are associated with it? And that, that might be months. Like this, this is not necessarily an overnight thing. And that's where that self-awareness part, that first pillar becomes really paramount because you're building skills like journaling, uh, being able to dialogue about this in a healthy way that are going to allow you to kind of explore the feelings and the thoughts and everything else around it. And once you have an idea of like, okay, I know that actually I'm not, I'm not being hard on myself. I'll just put myself on the altar as an example. Like I wasn't being hard on myself because I felt like I was letting my family down. Um, even though I knew that my parents would probably be a little bit shocked about my struggle. Um, I knew that I wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that I was harboring anything really, but I was hard on myself because I, I knew that I was made to do better than that. Like I knew that I had this great call in my life and that I was basically self-sabotaging it. And I, I almost couldn't forgive myself for doing something so stupid on such a regular basis and not having, what, at the time, what I thought was the willpower to get over it. So identifying it is really helpful. And then I think being specific, that's the second step. So then really specifying, like uh, if you say you're gonna forgive someone, it's one thing to say, I forgive them for hurting me. It's another thing to say, like, I forgive you for, um, for specifically, like, speaking this against me. Uh, the, the way we kind of use it is, like, if, if I tell you that, like, you owe $500 on your credit card, um, you can pay the bill, but you don't actually know what the $500 was. 
So the specific, the specific part is actually getting clarity on like, what's the breakdown here? Where were the offenses actually? And it's only in that specificity where you can actually fully release the debt. And then the other two steps are a lot, I think, more well understood. Release, that's the actual process of saying, hey, you owe me nothing. And we really remind people that forgiving somebody doesn't mean that you're just saying, hey, what you did is okay. Because the reality is a majority of the time, people have experienced like really inappropriate um, activities or people have treated them you know, really poorly. So we're not justifying it by any means. We're not letting them off the hook, so to speak. We're letting you off the hook. For Forgiveness just allows you to say, I'm not gonna live in this cage of offense and bitterness and anything like that anymore. I'm gonna move on with my life. And then restoration. And and restoration is, um, it could just be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on, not holding this against myself. So for me, Sam, sometimes that actually looked like getting in front of the mirror and just saying, Sathya, I forgive you for watching porn, bro. Like mm-hmm. just that, that, that actually, that's a great example of infusing that self-compassion with forgiveness real time. Like looking yourself in the eyes, which is not an easy thing to do when you're an addict and just saying, I forgive you, man. It's okay. You're going to figure this thing out. Yeah. So that was a huge part of it. And that, that could be what restore looks like. And other times it looks like reconciliation. I think that's why people should be doing your program and working with you because with the right guide, you're going to get um, a lot of tools and a lot of opportunities to reconcile in a really healthy way. Um, and I think that is, it, it doesn't always happen. It depends on obviously the nature of the situation. But to me, it's kind of the most glorious part of the forgiveness journey. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because I think having, once that comes full circle and you can just identify what the struggle is, actually release it, forgive yourself, move forward. You don't have to carry that. that it's like it stacks up emotionally. We get overwhelmed. We're more sensitive, more irritable. We're more prone to go back to old behavior, which is like so counterintuitive, but the worse we feel, the more we want to get away from it. Yeah. So I really like the idea of forgiving yourself. Yeah, of course, forgiving others, forgiving God. I, I know what you mean by that as far as like we can harbor anger and resentment towards God, not that he wronged us, but just the release of the anger can be so freeing. Yes. Just with regard to God, because I know that that's an important, like spirituality is an important thing for you. Could you speak a little bit about how you feel like that like what role that played for you personally? And if there is any of that type of work in your program, what role you see it play in the lives of the guys who are trying to overcome this? Yeah, I think porn impacts three different arenas of somebody's life specifically. One is their sense of self. The second is their relationships. And the third is their spirituality. And spirituality is going to be different for different people. And um, I, I think what I mean by spirituality, at least at a very high overarching level, is your sense of purpose and meaning in life and the values that you live by. So for, for us, like we do work, I would say primarily with Christian men, uh, men who are faith, just because what we do is research-based, but it's also Bible-based. But we also have people who are not of faith that go through a program and they have, I would say, very similar results and some of them actually even better. So it just kind of varies on the person. But the reason spirituality is a part of what we do is because we, I really believe that when a guy is, has discovered his purpose in life, Porn is one of the most irrational choices you can make. And so, again, that's a little bit oversimplified. Obviously, it's not as simple as just having a vision board and being free of porn. But, you know, I think when you start to get a vision of who you were made to be and what it looks like for you to make a meaningful contribution on this planet, that can be a really powerful driving force to quit porn and to stay free of porn. You know, for me, I actually always had vision of what I was doing, even when I was struggling. I I always thought one day I I will figure this out and then I will share it with the world because it was such a debilitating place to feel alone in my addiction, to not have any resources and to just be hopeless in the thing. 
and I didn't want other people to have that experience. So that's what I mean by like, I think having, having spiritual purpose and values goes a really long way. And I think for people who specifically maybe come from a Christian faith, that, that deep personal connection with God can be a massive part of the healing journey like we've been discovering. And I think as well, the identity component, the identity pillar is pretty critical there as well. So that's kind of how it plays into our system. Which I think is key because, again, I just I just jotted down what you said. Like when a man has a sense of his purpose, then porn is the most irrational choice that you could make. I, I, yeah. I, that's powerful because it's very easy. Like we it's a, it's such a distraction for people and they get pulled away from if they're not if they don't have the clarity of who they want to be, who they are at their core, the kind of life that they want to live. It's a distraction. And one of the things that I find can be so helpful for people is when they have clarity about where they want to go. Sometimes when people come in initially, they're like, I just want to overcome this, this habit or this addiction. And then, and then through discussion, it's like, what do you want your life to look like instead? And they don't really know. They just want this to be gone, but don't have clarity (laughs) about what they want to have instead. And so I like this idea of how spirituality can help you find that purpose whether it's their relationship with God or whether it's just like your own sense of direction and your own mission, I think that is such an empowering thing for people to help them have some replacement for uh, this old behavior that I don't want. Okay, well, what do you want instead? Yeah, very much so. And I, I think the reality is like our, our desire to avoid pain can be really, um, well, really motivating initially, short term, but long term, it, it is always the vision that's going to prevail the most. And on those on those days when it's tough because you know let's not kid ourselves like getting free of this stuff is hard work and not every day is fun and enjoyable and on those hard days that vision becomes really beneficial just to remind yourself this is why i'm doing it this is what's on the other side for me um that that kind of incentive uh incentive rather is is really useful yeah i like that i think that's i agree with that so this has been awesome. I really appreciate your thoughts and your feedback on this. I think this is going to be helpful for people to understand that, again, there's different, there's this approach that you've seen to be so effective. I like how you've laid out these three pillars of self-awareness and healing and identity, truly helping people find freedom. And you being, again, another example of how this is possible. So many people that I work with in the beginning think to themselves, like, it's, I'm different though. Like I've been struggling forever. I've mm-hmm. tried everything nothing's working for me. So maybe this is just something I have to manage forever. I think you're such a good example of like, that's not true. It doesn't have to be like that for you. You get the right yeah. tools, you get the right, you know, help the guidance and direction from mentors and people like yourself. Again, it's like, it, it opens up the door for freedom for them. So I wanted to see if there's any other last thoughts or things you might want to share with somebody who might be struggling, who, again, who's feeling like a sense of overwhelm and a sense of, sense of discouragement, any last messages or thoughts that you might want to share with them? Yeah, I'd love to circle back to what we were talking about earlier. Uh, knowledge, uh, to me, knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential. It's knowledge with action. That is true power. And I would encourage the listener, you know, you might be right at the beginning where like even just hearing a podcast about this is a real stretch for you. I want to commend you. Job well done. Uh, what is the next action step for you? Maybe it's getting a book. Uh, maybe it's, I don't know, crossing over to another podcast. Maybe it's reaching out to Sam, doing a call with him to see if working with him is going to make sense. But taking that next step is going to go a really long way. And I think uh, maybe if you're somewhere in the midpoint where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm getting some resources. I got some momentum going. Uh, keep taking action. One of our, my favorite questions to ask our guys in our program is, what's the one thing you need to do this week to keep the momentum going in the right direction? Like, I don't even want two things. And I definitely don't want 20 things. Tell me the one thing, you know? Just keep it simple. 
and keep focused on that. And I think, you know, for people who maybe are like, hey, this isn't actually much of a problem for me, but um, I know that there's people in my life who really need this. Uh, I think one of the best things you can do is like, is share, share this episode, share content, uh, and leave ratings and reviews on content that you find valuable, like this podcast, because that lets people know, like who do need the help, hey, this is actually quality and this is gonna go a long way. So I think just taking some action is gonna be really, really impactful, regardless of where you're at. I couldn't have said that better because again, like without following through, it doesn't matter how much you know, it's the follow through, it's the implementation. And even if you focus on just a couple, one core thing, again, in a week, you're going to find much more benefit than if you listen to what you listen to or read or, you know, attend meetings and like all that stuff can be helpful, but it's the follow through of what you're learning is where the change happens. So yes. this has been a pleasure to have you on here. Where, where can we send, if people are interested in learning more or getting a copy of the book or learning more about your program or the work that you do, where'd be the best place to find information about that? Yeah, so uh, the book is called The Last Relapse. Um, it's available on all major platforms. It's on our website and that would be the best place. For those of you who like podcasts, uh, we also have a daily podcast called Unleash the Man Within and uh, they can find us on all major platforms there as well. So Unleash the Man Within is the podcast. The Last Relapse is the book. And what's the website? The website is getadeepclean.com. Deep Clean is the name of our system. So it's getadeepclean.com. That'll actually redirect you to my website, which is just my name, but it's much harder to spell. So <laughs> getadeepclean.com should get you there. That's perfect. And we'll put that in the show notes so people can find that. Again, Sathya, thank you so much for your time here. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. It's, it's so needed. And so have people who are an example of it, having gone through it, continuing to help people go through it. I think it's a tremendous resource. So I appreciate your time. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.